The first time I saw a skinwalker was in the summer of 2008. My friend and I were camping at a place called the Crags in southern Utah. It's basically just a big field with some boulders scattered around, but it's pretty secluded and has an old abandoned mining road that leads to it. We had been camping there for three days straight, so we knew the area pretty well. We were sitting on top of one of the large boulders by the road when we heard something come up from behind us. We both turned around to see what it was, and we saw this huge black dog walking towards us. It looked like a normal dog except for one thing. Its eyes glowed bright red in the dark, like cat's eyes do in the light. Oh yeah, and one other thing. It was walking upright. I've seen coyotes, wolves, and mountain lions before, and their eyes never glow like that. This thing looked like it could eat my golden retriever and me both without even breaking a sweat. So we decided to get out of there as fast as possible. We hopped off our rock and started running down the road away from this thing. When my friend stops dead in his tracks and says, oh shit. I turned around to see what he was looking at. And I see this skinwalker now standing on top of the boulders off to our left. It was just staring at us with those glowing red eyes. We slowly started backing away without turning our backs to it. We kept our flashlights on it the whole time, in case we needed to turn and run. It stayed there for a few minutes and then it just jumped off the boulder and landed on all fours and started coming towards us. We turned around and started running as fast as we could down this road. We ran for about two minutes straight. I was so out of breath. When I finally turned around and looked behind us, I saw that it was no longer following us. We stopped running after that and stayed on high alert just in case it decided to come back for us. After about 15 minutes of walking, we made our way back to camp. We packed up and we got the hell out of there. I've never been back since. The following was told to me by my mother. She lived in a small town in the Appalachian Mountains of West Virginia called Montgomery, West Virginia. Her house was located on a hillside that overlooked the town and valley below. She lived there alone since my grandmother had passed away several years before this incident occurred. One night, she awoke to hear her dog growling at something outside her bedroom window, which faced the front of the yard in the street below. She got up to see what it was, but couldn't make anything out due to the darkness outside. So she turned on the light to the outside and looked again, but still she couldn't see anything. So she thought it must have been a stray cat or something and she went back to bed, thinking no more about it until she fell asleep again. Now sometime later, I don't know how much later, she was awakened again by her dog growling at something outside her bedroom window. But this time, when she got up to look out into the darkness, all she could see were these two red glowing eyes staring back at her. She said they looked like bicycle reflectors. She said that whatever it was had long arms, because its hands were resting on top of the fence post beside her driveway, and its fingers were long enough that you could see them even though it was dark outside. She described them as being like monkey hands with very long fingers. She said that whatever it was stood there for several minutes just staring into her bedroom window while its eyes glowed red. Then after a while, it slowly backed down from the fence post, then turned around and walked down the driveway towards the road. She said that she watched it as it walked away 
until it disappeared into the darkness at the end of her driveway. She said that she was so scared by this time that she ran back to bed and pulled the covers up over her head. The next morning, when she got up and looked out her bedroom window, there was nothing to be seen anywhere outside. So she just went about her daily routine as if nothing happened. She never told anyone except for me about this incident because she thought they would think that she was crazy or just imagining things. This happened in July of 2012. I was camping with my family at a local state park. We were staying in a cabin that was about a mile from the main campground. It was late at night and I had just woken up to use the bathroom. I walked outside of the cabin and looked up at the sky. The stars were so bright, it was amazing. I stood there for a few minutes just looking at them, when suddenly something caught my eye. There was this bright light coming from behind the trees about a hundred yards away from me. At first, I thought it might be someone with a flashlight, but then I realized that it wasn't moving like one would move if they were walking around with one. This thing was hovering above those trees, and it seemed to be getting closer to me as time went on. I started to get scared because this thing didn't look like anything that I'd ever seen before. So I ran back inside the cabin and woke up my dad so he could see what I saw too. We both went outside together and we watched this thing hover over those trees for about five minutes until it finally came into an open field where we could see it better. It looked like this giant white orb floating in midair with no lights or anything on it, just pure white glowing light all around it. My dad said, what is that? Then all of a sudden, this loud humming noise started coming from whatever this thing was. Almost like an engine revving up, or something similar to that. But it sounded louder than any car or truck engine that I've ever heard. Then, two more orbs appeared next to the first one. They were smaller than the first one, but still very large orbs. Just floating in there without any lights on them either. All three of these things just hovered there for like another ten minutes while making these very loud noises, until they finally just shot off into the sky at incredible speeds. We watched them go until they disappeared into space, somewhere really high above us. After they left, my dad told me not to tell anybody about what we saw, so we never did tell anybody else about what happened that night. Well, except for my mom and my little brother. I want to share a really terrifying experience I had recently, camping in the Mayaka River State Park in Florida. It's a really neat place to go, but you need to be vigilant about the wildlife, mainly alligators and snakes. My girlfriend and I have a dog, but we never bring her to this spot. It seems like too much of a risk, so my brother dog sits for us. At this park, they allow you to backcountry camp, which is great, because Mimi and I don't like crowds. We got a permit for three nights to celebrate our fifth anniversary of living together. We hiked about a mile, loaded down with supplies, and found a sweet spot near the river. It was a little patch of a clearing surrounded by trees. The ground there was sand and that suited me. I like camping in the sand here because there's less of a chance that you'll accidentally step on a snake. The first night we were hanging around our campfire just talking. Then we heard this sound coming from the trees behind us. It sounded like a little girl laughing. Now right off, that frustrated me, thinking that some people had set up their camp nearby in the same time since we arrived. It was pretty late, 
maybe about 10.30 at night, so it wasn't likely that someone was just passing through. A few minutes later, we heard it again, a child's laugh. Only this time, it was coming from the other direction, from the direction of the river, which made no sense at all. I asked Mimi which direction she thought it was coming from, but she shook her head, saying it was too hard to tell. I let it go. We went to bed about an hour later, kicking sand over the fire to put it out. The moon was new, just a sliver, so there wasn't much light to see. We settled in and I put a flashlight near the entrance of the tent, in case one of us had to pee. It's not a good idea to walk around in the scrub brush in the middle of the night, and I made sure to remind Mimi to stay on the sand just to be careful. It's pretty comfy in our tent, and we both fell asleep almost right away. The next thing I know, Mimi is leaning over me, shaking me awake. She whispered that she heard someone walking around our campsite. I listened and instantly heard it too. Just a small scuffing sound, like someone shuffling through the sand. I sat up and grabbed the flashlight, unzipped the tent, and stuck out my head. I was really hoping it wasn't a gator. I didn't see a thing, but now I had to pee from the rush of anxiety. Mimi said she was okay if I went, so I slipped on my sneakers and got out of the tent, going to the edge of the clearing in a straight line staying on the lookout. Luckily, no snakes or gators in sight. While I'm out there, I suddenly hear it again. A little girl's laugh, just a giggle, really. Very soft, which is super freaky, because now it's about three in the morning. The hairs on my back of my neck stood up. I waved my light around, but I didn't see anyone, and I got back to the tent as soon as I could. When I got back there, Mimi was all snuggled down in her sleeping bag again. I asked her if she heard the laughter, and she just said no, kind of half asleep. I fell asleep while still wondering about it. I woke up first thing the next morning and decided to surprise her by having coffee already made. I was crouched by the stove about 10 feet from the tent when I remembered the giggling from last night. While the water was heating, I walked around the edge of the clearing, inspecting the sand. I saw my own footprints in a straight line from the tent where I had gone and come back. But there was another set, very small and going around the back of our tent. I crouched down to look. It was a human's bare foot, but small like a child's. Okay, I have to admit, that really creeped me out. But not nearly as much as what I saw next. There was a tic-tac-toe game drawn on the sand, about two feet off to the right side of the tent, with an X drawn in one corner. I woke up Mimi. Did you draw it? I asked her as soon as she opened her eyes. The tic-tac-toe game in the sand. I could tell the answer just by the look on her face. She shook her head no. I brought her out to it and told her about the footprints too. She was quiet for a minute and then looked at me all suspicious. Are you trying to freak me out, she asked. I was shocked. I promised her that it was real. I would never do anything to wreck our vacation. It was our anniversary. She was quiet for a minute, thinking, and then reached out and drew an O next to the X. I looked at her like, what are you doing? She said, if someone is messing with us, let's see what they'll do next. I couldn't think of anything to refute that, so I just let it alone. We sat there drinking coffee, both of us mulling it over. I then asked her if she thought the footsteps in the tic-tac-toe game were related to the little girl's laugh. She was quiet for a minute, but then shrugged without answering. I knew it disturbed her, and I wanted this to be a good trip, so I just dropped the subject. Later that afternoon, I was thinking... 
We would never know if a person came back unless we erased all the previous tracks. I mentioned it to Mimi and she agreed. Together we walked around the clearing, scuffing sand all over the marks. But then we left the tic-tac-toe game where it was. I know she was more shaken than she was letting on. I tried to be affectionate, but she was just too jittery. So we spent kind of a quiet evening staring into the campfire with both of us lost in our own thoughts. When Mimi started to fall asleep in her camp chair, I woke her up gently and suggested we both go to bed. I picked up the flashlight and guided her over to the tent, telling her I'd douse the fire myself and I'd be right there. As Mimi was unzipping the tent, I shined my beam over to that game drawn in the sand and froze. The sand looked freshly disturbed. I walked over and looked. Mimi had seen me and now was with me, clinging to my shirt. There was another X drawn in the game. I flashed the light around at the woods, half expecting to see someone, but there was nobody there. I zigzagged the light around on the sand, walking a few feet away in either direction. There were no footsteps near the tic-tac-toe game at all. I was really shaken up now, but I didn't want to let on to Mimi how scared I was. I got her safely into the tent and doused the fire, then went to bed myself, but I couldn't sleep. I just laid there listening, barely breathing. I was just rigid with anxiety. I could tell by Mimi's breath she wasn't sleeping either. I never heard anything else, and I finally fell asleep around dawn. Mimi woke me up around 7, shaking my shoulder. She said she wanted to go home. She said she had already been out to look at everything, and that the tic-tac-toe game had been erased, and the sand smoothed over. I got up and looked around again and also didn't see any footprints except for Mimi's and mine. She was really freaked out. I was happy just to get the hell out of there, too. We packed up in no time and hit the trail. When we got home, I found a forum for camping enthusiasts on Google, so I joined and related my story. It was only a day later that someone replied. This user said that they had heard a story about that state park. Back in the 70s, a little girl camping with the Girl Scouts had been dragged into the river by an alligator and killed. I searched the internet and I can't find any account that that story is in any news archives. But I can't help to think that it might be true. It would explain a lot. If anyone out there is familiar with that event, maybe they could add it in the comments with a link to the news story if possible. Thanks in advance. Hello, Donovan. I was reminded of these experiences while listening to your show, I think. Or maybe Mr. Ballin's channel. Someone was describing recurring experiences that were very similar to mine. Whosever show it was, you might find this interesting. My sister and I spent our childhood summers at my mom's cousin's ranch in Montana. We and her cousins would ride horses through the woods for hours at a time. We would all head out, doubled up on horseback, and ride on siding roads along pastures and hayfields, and into the national forest following old logging roads. There were usually four of us, sometimes up to six, and we often had our cousins' dogs along too. I remember the first time I saw what we referred to as the phantom of the fork in the road. I remember coming out of our family's timbered property into a clearing that had two other dirt pathways kind of spoking out of a gated fence. You could go straight ahead on the same small dirt road we were on, veer to the left, 
or veer right and have to climb down from your horse and open a barbed wire and log gate to continue into the National Forest land. Our route took us right. When riding up to the clearing, you had a good view of the entire scene from a ways back. The fork was entirely empty of people and animals. We were all riding and chatting, and then one by one we all got quiet as our minds adjusted to what we were seeing. It was like blinking a blurry image into focus. Where we had all been looking, as we emerged from the timberline, there had been nothing. Then a man began to shape right at the fork. He was just standing there in a plaid flannel, work pants and boots. The thing that spooked me as a kid was that he carried a rifle in his hand. We slowed the horses but continued toward the clearing, as we wanted to open the gate road into the forest service land. My sister, several years older than me, asked our cousin, do you know who that is? She replied, no, but he never bothers us. I remember thinking that it was all right, considering our cousins had run into him before. I don't recall if the dogs were there with us this time, but the horses did respond strangely. We passed within 12 or 15 feet of him as we rode up to the gate. He appeared very solid. He was very real looking. You can make out the seams and buttons on his clothing and the tooling of his rifle sling. My oldest cousin dismounted and opened the gate, and we all rode through, leading her horse. We turned to watch her close the gate, and the man was still standing back there where we had first seen him watching us. My cousin got back on her horse, and we took a final glance up to the man, but he wasn't there. It couldn't have been more than eight or ten seconds from the last time we saw him. There was nowhere he could have moved that quickly and quietly. We would have seen or heard him run off. I didn't think much of it. I was just more excited to keep riding. But I remember the older kids, the oldest one was 16 years old, being pretty weirded out by it. One of my cousins said, yep, that's what he does. This was not a one-time event. It happened at least four more times over about six summers. Always the same man, same place, same clothing, and same gun. The same image coming into focus as we rode by, and then looking back at nothing. The last time I saw the Phantom, my cousin and I were riding alone. The exact same thing happened as had unfolded all those times before. He never spoke to us, and we never spoke to him. The dogs never seemed to even notice him. I went back in my 20s to see if maybe I could conjure him up, but I never saw him. I just wanted to see, with the advantage of adulthood, what those experiences had been, and either try to come up with a rational explanation or be convinced that he really was a paranormal being. Hey there, Donovan. I love all the stories that you tell. Great work giving us these videos. I've been listening to yours and Lilith's channel for a while now, and I keep wondering what story I'll send in first. I have a few encounters anything from ghosts to UFOs. We'll start with a ghost one. This story took place in Hardyville, South Carolina, around 2009 at a house my mom and stepfather built. My stepfather, we will call him Roy, had gotten a call that his cousin had passed away suddenly due to a gruesome car accident. He made plans to take the day off for the funeral coming up. The day of the funeral, my mom and Roy let me stay home since I was still kind of young and didn't really know the guy. 
So I stayed home and finished painting the hallway walls and the trim for my mom and listened to the radio as I worked. I was probably 15 at the time. Nothing new was staying home alone. I was an only child and matured quickly, so I was pretty responsible. A few hours went by and they arrived back home. I just want to mention, even though I was still painting, I didn't have any windows open. We had central air with good circulation, and it was pretty cold outside, so I kept them closed. We also had no pets at the time. As they walked in the door, I was finishing up at the kitchen sink, washing out my paintbrush. I asked them how the funeral went and how everything was. With my parents both being behind me talking, the door from the other side of the house slammed out of nowhere. Now I've heard doors slam. This was no measly slam. Whichever door slammed, it shut so hard, you would have thought the frame cracked. It hurt my ears on the other side of the house. Right after that happened, we all looked at each other with a bewildered and scared look on our faces. My stepfather is a pretty straightforward guy, doesn't really believe in anything supernatural. My mom and I, however, grew up seeing and hearing spirits, so we were certainly believers. So the next step was for someone to go back to the other end of the house to see which door it was and the cause. Roy's face was a little ashen, and he didn't volunteer. I made a cross on my heart right after and started praying that whatever did that would get the hell out of there. I certainly wasn't brave enough to volunteer, so my brave mother volunteered herself. She walked down the hallway and made her way through all the rooms, all the closets, and the bathroom by herself to check things out. A few minutes later, I hear her coming back down the hall. When she makes it back to the kitchen where Roy and I were, I see the look on her face and it looks unsettled. I asked her whose door was shut, mentally hoping it wasn't mine. She said, they're all open. Nothing else happened that day, but we were all kind of on edge for a while. Maybe it was Roy's cousin saying goodbye in an odd way. Maybe it was the house itself. A lot of weird things happened there, even though it was a new build. I think it was the land or Roy causing it. Roy wasn't a good guy, so I'm thinking something manifested from his darkness, or the land had some history. I have a few more stories, including the same house, that I'll send in. Thanks again, Donovan. I listen to you daily as I'm doing chores around the house, and I love all your content. Take care. 